Thank you for coming and uh, being a part of this faith conference. Uh, we really appreciate you being here. It's not just uh, for us. It is whatever the Holy Spirit wants to share with us that will uh, inspire us, encourage us, and remind us how important this subject is to our lives. Amen. As your pastor said, the just, Romans 1.17 says, the just shall what? Live by faith. So faith, or our life, our lifestyle as a Christian is a life of faith. Amen? All right, let's pray together. Father, we're so grateful that we can come together, worship You, lift up our voices, lift up our hands in worship and praise unto You. And Father, tonight we thank You for the Word of God, the life-changing power of Your Word that strengthens us, that encourages us. And Father, tonight we look to the Holy Spirit who is our teacher and our guide. And we thank You, Heavenly Father, that He will reveal the truth of Your Word to us. And we give You all the praise and all the glory for everything that You are doing in and through each and every one of us. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and everyone said, Amen. So this morning, uh, we began talking about the two most important things that we need to understand concerning the subject of faith. And I want to continue with that. And of course, uh, we talked about confession, the confession of our faith and how important that is. There must be an action associated with faith. Faith is not just mental assent. It's not mentally agreeing with what God's Word says. It's one step beyond that. It is acting on what you believe. So faith is an act, and the confession of our faith when we became Christians was the confession of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So we talked about that this morning. I want to go a little bit further uh, this evening. We're going to talk about uh, the second most important thing, which is uh, before we pray or before we confess God's Word, we need to understand that we are in faith. And so we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But before I do that, uh, we need to understand Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, Without faith, it is what? Impossible. To please Him without faith. That means not possible. It is impossible to please God without faith. And so without faith, it is impossible to participate in what God wants to do in and through our lives. And so we understand that, you know, the Bible tells us that the gift that God has placed in us, whatever that gift may be, will not operate without faith. The Bible also tells us that the just, as we said, will live by faith. We also find out from the Word of God that the gifts of the Holy Spirit operate through faith. That whatever you do that is not done in faith, the Bible said, is sin. It is impossible to stop the attacks of the enemy without faith. Peter said that you resist him with or by your faith. And so also, uh, Jesus said in Mark chapter 16 that we do the works of Jesus through faith. And so when we talk about faith, we need to understand there's two kinds of faith. So let's turn to John chapter 20 to begin with. John chapter 20, most of us are familiar with one kind, and that is what I refer to as natural faith or natural human faith. All of us are aware of that. We understand how that operates, and this kind of faith operates by what it sees, by what it feels. The information that comes into your mind through your five physical senses. Now, something we have to understand is the moment that Adam and Eve sinned, 
they lost something in the spiritual realm. They had a relationship with God. They were walking with God in the spirit. And immediately they became sense ruled or sense conscious. From the time that they sinned until the new birth was available, mankind was ruled by sense, knowledge, information. And so now there's nothing wrong with that because if you cross the street, especially overseas in cities that we lived in, you need to look because they don't stop. They're not polite. And so a, a vehicle in India or China may be on the street, may be going the wrong way down the street, may be on the sidewalk. Doesn't matter. If there's a pathway, then for the driver, that's okay. So you better go by what you see, right? You need that. So there's a lot of things we have to uh, go by the information that comes through our five physical senses. But here in John chapter 20, Jesus introduces to us a different kind of faith. This is the kind of faith that pleases God. This is the kind of faith that receives everything that God has done for us through Jesus Christ. So in John chapter 20, this is the story of Thomas, who was not in the upper room. And in verse 26, after eight days, John chapter 20, verse 26, after eight days, the disciples were again inside and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach hither, reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. I believe the King James says, do not be faithless, but believing. Now notice, and Thomas answered and said unto him, my Lord and my God. Now notice verse 29. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. That's natural human faith. Because you have seen me, you have believed. That's natural human faith that we all have, that we all operate in. But then Jesus made the next statement. Blessed are those who do not see and yet believe. That's the God kind of faith. Now, too often, we attempt to receive the things of God with natural human faith, and it doesn't work. We have to understand what the God kind of faith is and how it works for us to receive spiritual blessings from God. For example, salvation. Salvation does not come through natural human faith. You have to believe in a God that you cannot see or cannot feel, cannot communicate with the way we communicate. Isn't that right? You have to believe that Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago, that He was raised from the dead. You were not there. You have no physical evidence, no sense knowledge evidence that that actually took place. The only evidence we have is found in the Bible. Isn't that right? Now, how many of you believe that at some point, when you go to heaven, the Bible indicates that God has a place for you in heaven, whether it be a home, a mansion, or whatever. How many of you believe you actually have a place in heaven, a home in heaven? Most of you. Now, let me ask you, do you have a title deed, a physical title deed to that house? Anyone? Do you have an actual photograph of that house in heaven? Yet you believe... And the only reason you believe is because you have a book called the Bible, and in that Bible it indicates that Jesus said, I go away, but I'll return unto you, and when I return, I'll take you with me, because we have a place reserved for you in heaven. Isn't that right? So if you can believe that based on 
knowledge from the Word of God, then everything else comes that same way. Everything from God comes through knowledge that we receive through the Word of God. Not knowledge that we receive through a five physical senses, but knowledge that comes through the Word of God. So five physical sense knowledge is sense knowledge. God's knowledge is revelation knowledge. That revelation knowledge is made real to you, not by your senses or your mind, but by the Holy Spirit. So when you heard the gospel, something, the Holy Spirit took that gospel and something on the inside said, yes, this is the truth. And you responded to that truth. And the moment you responded and acted by confession, the Holy Spirit came in and regenerated your spirit. That's how our Christian life began. And that's how we receive everything that Jesus Christ has purchased through, for us through His redemptive work. The same way. But for some reason, after we get saved, all of a sudden, now we want a sign. We want a chicken to crow at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, a dog to bark at 5 p.m. before we act on what God says. But everything else comes the same way. Through knowledge of God's Word, confidence in that knowledge, believing that knowledge, and acting on that knowledge. The same way. So we see here, there's two kinds of faith. And we're talking about the God kind of faith. Jesus said, you believe because you see me, Thomas. But more blessed are those who do not see me physically, yet they believe. Yet they believe. That is the God kind of faith. Now look at Romans chapter 4 again, verse 21. And this is really the most simple, the easiest definition of what Pastor Mike said, the God kind of faith that Jesus talked about in Mark chapter 11, verse 22. Here in Romans chapter 4, verse 21, this is talking about Abraham. And being fully persuaded, fully persuaded that what he, that is God promised, he was able also to perform. So here we see that the God kind of faith, this kind of faith, is fully persuaded, fully convinced that what God says, God will perform. That's the God kind of faith. Now, how do we become fully persuaded or fully convinced? The only way we can do that is by building God's Word into our consciousness, into our spirit. Let me give you a quick illustration. I remember years ago uh, in class, Brother Hagin told this story. Kenneth Hagin told this story. He was on the road traveling. And uh, when he was traveling at that time, back in the 40s and 50s, back in the 40s, uh, making a telephone call home was rather expensive, long distance. So he and his wife wrote letters. And uh, every day he would write a letter, his wife would write a letter, and every day they would receive that in the mail. And so one day he received a letter, and in that letter his wife informed him that their daughter, who was young at that time, quite young in elementary school, uh, came home from school and the nurse gave her a note that said she had a growth on her eye, the outside of her eye. And the nurse, the school nurse, wanted to know what the parents were going to do about that. So Brother Hagen read that. He said, I'm in the middle of, of meetings. So we have meetings in the morning uh, and meetings at night. So he said, I took that letter and I laid it aside. And uh, he said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to read every scripture in the Bible on healing. And that took about an hour. 
Now, I said, I could have quoted everyone, but I'm going to read it. And I'm going to read every scripture. And then after reading, I'm going to meditate on those scriptures for two hours. Then I'm going to sleep for a couple hours, wake up, meditate for another two hours and go to sleep and do that all night long. Not one day, not two days, but three days. At the end of three days, he wrote a letter to his wife. He said, you tell Pat that daddy says she's healed. So what was Brother Hagin doing? He was building that word into him, that truth into him, so that when he prayed, he was in faith. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. So when the letter got home, uh, his wife read the letter. Pat came in. And his wife read the letter and says, Daddy says you're healed. She goes, oh, okay, and ran off and played. Well, the next day she went to school and the growth had disappeared. So I'm convinced. Now, you know, emergencies happen. I remember one time we were driving, when we were living in Mount Pleasant, we were driving to a Bible study and happened to be uh, close to uh, New Year's time. And it was cold and it was snowy and it was ice on the road. And we were driving out in the country. And there were no lights. And all of a sudden there was a black Angus bull in the middle of the road sideways. No lights. By the time you see, and I'm driving a little too fast probably. Faster than I should have on ice. And I saw him and my prayer was simply, Jesus! <laughs> and you were with me. She's my witness. I, I braced for the impact. And that, that, that bowl turned sideways or something. He didn't even hit my mirror, my side view mirror. And I went by there and I don't know what happened. An angel or something just kind of pushed him out of the way. That's all. Now that, I didn't have time to get into a theological word study. Where's my, Weiss, my Strong's Concordance and my Weiss word studies? I need to look up something. I, you don't have time for that. Right? But the majority of the time, we don't have a crisis or an emergency. Right? You know, I mean, if we get attacked in our body, it's not life-threatening. It's, you know, it's not a crisis. It's not an emergency. We can do something. We have time. Or if we know a challenge is coming, we have time to build that word into us. And I'm convinced, including myself, that we pray too quickly and that we confess too quickly. Before we build God's Word on the inside. Are you listening? And so here we see in James, and I want to go to James chapter 1. And this is the second most important thing that we need to understand about faith. And that is, we need to make sure that we are in faith before we pray or make a confession of faith. James chapter 1 verse 5. And I want to explain what I mean by that. James chapter 1, and we'll begin with verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. And there's a 50-50 chance he'll give it to you. No, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally. Don't you like that? He's not a, God's not a cheapskate. Aren't you glad? Hallelujah. Are you out there? You all gone home. No, he gives to all men how? Liberally. Liberally. Now notice. And without reproach. If you ask, it shall be given to him. 
Now, verse 6, let him ask, how? In faith. In faith. With no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man or person think or suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So he begins, James, James begins talking about asking for wisdom, and he concludes by talking about asking for anything. Right? So he said, if we're going to ask God, let Him ask how? In faith. Now, here's, here's a simple question, but how many of you know that you're in this auditorium? One, two... Okay, the majority of you. I don't know where the rest of you are. Somewhere. So can you know? Can you know that you're in a building or in a place, a physical place? Can you know that? Sure you can. It's quite obvious because we, we, we can determine that by sight. We know exactly where we are. We can determine if we're in the car, in our house, in the church building. So you can know if you're in a physical location. Can we know if we're in a spiritual location? Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Now, here's what happens many times. I'm going to use this platform, and I'm not going to attempt to step up here. I'm going to use this platform as being in faith. So when I'm on this platform, I'm in faith. If I'm down here, I'm not in faith. I'm, I'm in doubt or unbelief or I'm not sure where, what I believe. So what happens many times is this, people pray or confess, say something concerning what God's Word said, and then they attempt to go from here to here after they pray or after they've made a faith confession. doesn't work that way. You have to be here before you pray or before you make a faith confession. You have to be in faith before you pray or make a faith confession. You understand that? So you can know that you're in faith. Go back with me to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. Now these are, Pastor Mike uh, mentioned this, quoted this. Jesus, of course, walking to Jerusalem with His disciples. They saw a fig tree, and the time of figs was not yet, you know, and that tree had leaves on it. Because in Israel, they had different kinds of fig trees, and the only way you could know which ones were bearing fruit were to check, to go physically and check the tree. Because some had leaves and no fruit, some had leaves with fruit. And so Jesus said to the tree, no man eat from you from hereafter. In other words, no one's going to eat fruit from this tree again. Now, a lot of people get concerned, why did Jesus curse that poor little tree? That tree never bothered anybody. That's not the point. The point is what Jesus was attempting to teach, which is, spiritual, which is a spiritual truth, a life-changing truth. So Jesus then, in verse 22, said what? Have the faith of God. If you look at the uh, original Greek language, it is have, have the faith of God or the God kind of faith. So now he tells us how the God kind of faith operates. Whosoever, whosoever shall what? Say unto this mountain that he was standing on, be thou removed and cast into the sea, and shall not doubt, where? In his heart, but shall believe 
shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe. So evidently, you can know when you're in doubt, and you can know when you believe. But shall believe that those things which he saith, right, shall come to pass, he or she will have whatsoever they say. So we can know when we are in faith. And of course, you know, Brother Hagin said this, and it's so true. You can school yourself into faith. Now, if you don't know you're in faith, this is what I always encourage people to do. Find scriptures in the Bible that promise you the things that you're believing for. And find at least two or three of scriptures. And then quote those scriptures to yourself. Speak those scriptures to yourself out loud. Now, if you read... Uh, Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, just before Joshua was about to take the, the children of Israel into the promised land, the Lord said in the first six or eight verses, be very courageous, be courageous and strong. And then He said in verse 8, do not let my word depart out of your mouth, my law, but my word depart out of your mouth, but keep it in your mouth. He said, meditate in that word day and night. Isn't that right? That you may observe to do what's written therein, for then you'll make your way prosperous. Then you'll have good success. So notice he said day and night. So I always encourage people to confess God's Word concerning what you are building faith, building your faith upon, two times a day. When you get up in the morning and just before you go to bed. First thing in the morning. Now if you need... A particular, if you need something in your life, let's just say, for, for example, healing. You're believing for healing. Then find scriptures that promise you healing. There's numerous scriptures in the Bible. You know, Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, Matthew 8, 16, 17, 1 Peter 2, 24. And then go through the Gospels. There are 19 specific cases of healing. 12 out of the 19 cases, Jesus said it was the individual's faith that caused them to receive healing. So you start saying out loud. You know, Matthew 8, 16, 17, And when even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word, and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled. Now he gives us a commentary on Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. That it might be fulfilled by Isaiah the prophet saying, Himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. So just so you wouldn't misinterpret that and think spiritual sickness only, he healed all who were sick physically so that you would understand that also included physical health and healing. Right? So then you would say, well, according to Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, according to Matthew 8, 16 and 17, according to 1 Peter 2, 24, by His stripes I am healed. If I am, if I was, I am. If I am, I is. Now that's not proper grammar, but you get the point. So you build those scriptures. You... Meditate means you talk to yourself. In the Psalms, David said he, he would, in his bed at night, he would muse, M-U-S-E. That means he would talk to himself. We talk to ourselves all day long when you have a problem. You have a problem, you say, oh, man, I tell you, I don't know what I'm going to do about that. Man, I tell you what, that thing, that's terrible. Then you get on the phone, call up two or three friends and tell them how bad it is. Right? And the last thing you say before you go to bed, I don't know what I'm going to do. I tell you what, 
If this doesn't happen, I'm done, I'm sunk, I'm under. Right? That's what we do when we have a problem. So let's turn that around. You see, the opposite to worry, because that, that's what you do when you worry. Jesus said, take no thought, Matthew chapter 6, sane. What shall I wear? What shall I eat? Take no thought, sane. How do we take worry? We talk about it. And all of a sudden, that little thing becomes huge. God Himself can't help me. Right? Isn't that right? And so, turn that thing around. Take the Word of God and begin to tell yourself what the Word says until that Word becomes so firmly fixed on the inside that you're fully persuaded. So when you pray, you're in faith. When you say or confess, you're in faith. And then you hold fast to that confession because I guarantee you the moment you pray or say, the enemy's going to come to challenge you. He's going to come to find out if you really believe what you said. Right? Well, if I had $10,000, I'd tithe on it. Well, when the $10,000 comes, the challenge will come. Right? Or if this happened, I would obey God. Or if God did this, I would do that. Well, the devil's going to find out. Right? The moment you say something, he's going to find out whether you believe it or not. So, this principle is so important before we pray, before we confess, let's make sure we're in faith. Let's make sure that we're fully convinced that what we're praying about is in the Bible and that we are fully convinced that what God said he will, He's able to perform. You say, well, that might take a little time. Yeah, it might take a little time. But most of the time we have a little time, right? Hallelujah. Lock the doors. Don't let anybody out. Amen. Now, let's go to, uh, let's go to uh, Numbers chapter 13. C.S. Newsom in her book, The Life of Faith, said this, Perhaps there is nothing spoken of in the Bible which is quite so hard for most Christians to do as to call those things that be not as though they were. Many honest people think that they would be lying if they did this, and so fear to do it. And of course, you know Romans chapter 4, verse 17, 16 and 17, 16, where God calls those things which be not as though they were. He called Abraham, Abram, Abraham. He called him a father of nations before he had a child. And so the most difficult thing for us to do is to call things that be not as though they were. Why? Because we have been trained our entire life to go by sense knowledge. Well, I'm not going to believe that unless I see it. Right? I'm not going to believe that. I've heard that my whole life. I'm not going to believe that unless I see it. Well, that's true in the natural. But when it comes to operating in God's kingdom and His principles, there's a different kind of faith. You have to believe before you see or feel. Amen. Hallelujah. Are you still out there? Yeah. All right. Numbers chapter 13. In Numbers chapter 13 and 14, we're not going to take time. We talked about this this morning. But that is the ten spies that went into the promised land. They came back and, of course, they gave their report. And the entire population of Israel at that time, 
Listen to the ten spies. God said, I've given you the land. All they had to do was agree with God. All they had to do was say, yes, I believe you've given us the land. And then act on that. And when they would act on that, then God, the power of God would manifest and they would be able to possess what God gave to them. You understand? Even though God said it, it doesn't mean it's going to come to pass unless you act on it. Same with salvation, same with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, same with healing. It works the same in every area. So they said the opposite. The opposite to what God said. And they got exactly what they said. Would to God that we would have died in the wilderness. Would to God that we'd have stayed in Egypt. Well, God said, uh, we can make that happen. And it did happen. Everyone 20 years of age and upward died. They wandered for 40 years and died in the wilderness, not receiving the promises of God. So if you look in, in the book of Hebrews, it talks about the faith. It talks about the fact that they did not mix. They heard the word, but did not mix faith with it. So when you hear the word, you still have to mix faith with it. What's that mean? You have to believe and act on it. That's what mixing faith is. Believe and act. Hallelujah. So this principle, the first principle we talked about is faith uh, must have some corresponding action. And the second principle is that we need to understand that we are in faith before we pray or confess. Now... Something else I want to look at just here in the last few minutes is back in uh, Mark chapter 11. And uh, this is something that Kenneth Hagin and those of you who may not know him, uh, he was the founder of the Bible school that your pastor, your pastors attended and I attended, my wife attended. And uh, his story is that he was born with uh, a deformed heart and an incurable blood disease, two incurable blood diseases, a deformed heart and some other deficiencies. And so there was no medical help for him. He had several doctors examine his case, and every doctor said, you will be dead before you turn 17, 16, 17, you'll die. No one, no one has lived beyond that age. And a part of the symptoms uh, was also paralysis. And so, uh, uh, you know, he became bedfast uh, about his 16th birthday, and he was in, in bed for several months, dying, literally dying. And it took him, of course, he had an experience, an out-of-body experience. He descended into hell and, uh, three times and then became born again. And uh, then began reading the Bible. And it took him a long time to get over to Mark chapter 11 because he was partially paralyzed. He could only read so much every day. Finally got to Mark chapter 11, read verses 23 and 24. And something on the inside told him that his faith, God's faith in him, could cause him to be healed. And so he read this scripture, and I want to read it again, Mark chapter 11, again. And verse 24, Therefore... Jesus said, therefore, and that is based on what he said in the previous verse, that whosoever shall believe and not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he saith shall come to pass, he'll have whatsoever he saith. Well, he wanted healing. So then the next verse says, therefore, 
I say unto you that, therefore I say unto you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them, and you'll have them. Well, he said, Lord, I want healing. I need healing. And so uh, he was talking to the Lord one night, and he said, uh, he said, now, Lord Jesus, if you were to physically appear in my room and tell me to my face, Kenneth, your problem is you don't believe. I'd have to say, dear Lord Jesus, and I'm saying this with all sincerity and humility, you're a liar. I believe. He said, when I said that, the Holy Spirit spoke to him in the on, on the inside and said, you believe, yes, you believe, but you believe as far as you know. He just didn't know enough. So he was believing with all the knowledge he had. And so then the light came on, and the light was this. I got to believe that I receive healing for my deformed heart, for these incurable blood diseases, for this paralysis. I got to believe I receive before I see anything or feel anything physically. Right? He said, believe you receive when? When you pray. Not before you pray, not after you pray. When you pray. When you pray. So many times people pray or they confess and then they try to believe. Then they try to get in faith. It doesn't work that way. You have to be in faith or believe when you pray. Amen. So he said, the thing that helped me the most was visualizing or seeing myself healed. He said, you know, weeks, weeks before this, I was visualizing my funeral. Because the doctor said I had to die. So he said, I'd see, he said I would see my casket. And I'd see my body in the casket. And I'd see my family coming and visiting, you know, the funeral home. And I'd see him close the casket. And I'd see him drive the casket to the cemetery, lower that casket into the grave, put dirt down into the hole, cover that casket. Then I would see, you know, placing flowers on there. The flowers withered and die. Springtime, the leaves would come out. Then the leaves would fall off. He said, I visualized that over and over and over again. He said, and then I, I, I saw something in the Word of God. I had to begin to visualize or see myself healed. So I said, I began to see myself as a young teenager jumping up in the air, kicking my heels together. I began to visualize myself doing things that the other teenagers could do, I could never do. And he said, that was the turning point. That was the turning point of my faith. Now that's what Proverbs chapter 4 says. My son, verse 20, my son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them, my sayings, words are sayings, let them not depart from before your eyes. Keep them, my words, in the midst of your heart. For they, my words, are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Where's prayer found in that verse? Not in there, is it? No. Where's laying on a hands found in that verse? Not in there. 
Isn't that right? Now, we believe in laying on of hands. We believe in prayer. But it's not in that verse. He said, my words will produce life and health. Life and health. Now, we had a, <clears throat> we had a friend over in Indonesia. He's still over there. And uh, he has a Bible school in Indonesia. And he told me this story. It's a great testimony. He said, uh, we would call the graduates in after they graduated a year or two and then have them testify as to what they're doing with their training. So he said, this young man testified, and he said, well, we started a home in Jakarta, and we'd walk around the streets of Jerusalem and find crazy people, and there were a lot of them. I mean, just out of their mind, right? Insane people, crazy. Take them off the street. Usually, you know, they had no clothing on, and they were just a mess. He said, we'd take them off the street, we'd bathe them, clothe them, and then he said, twice a day, in the morning and the evening, we'd read 20 minutes of the Bible to them. He said, and it never failed. After about two months, three months, they became normal, just like that. No one prayed for them. No one laid hands on them. No one cast demons out of them. And so the director of the school was so amazed. He said, well, what did you read? Oh, he said, it doesn't matter. We just chose anything, you know, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Numbers. We just read 20 minutes out of the Old Testament and 20 minutes out of the New Testament. And in three months, they became normal. Some of them were doctors, lawyers that became crazy. He said, where'd you learn to do that? Well, he said, you taught us. You taught us Proverbs chapter 4, didn't you? And the director said, I was embarrassed to admit we did. And I didn't even believe in it. My words, my words shall become life and health to all, not some, all your flesh. That's the power in the Word. In Luke chapter 6, they came to hear Him, the Bible said, and be healed. Many were healed and demonic activity or demons departed out of them when they heard Him teach or preach the Word. He didn't even lay hands on people. That's Jesus. He just simply spoke the word, and that word delivered people and healed people. Hallelujah. 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 So that testimony is remarkable. It just, you know, it, it constantly reminds me of how powerful God's word is. And sometimes we just take it for granted. Now, what did, what did the writer say? My son, attend to my words. That means put them first. So if you need healing, you wouldn't study about the Antichrist. Right? Huh? If you need healing, then you'd probably spend your time studying healing, wouldn't you? I remember I'd always go, when I'd go into the hospital and visit some of our church members, the first thing I would ask them, what scriptures have you been meditating on? You know, quote to me two or three scriptures, and they'd look at me like, well, that's not my job, that's your job. I said, you're the one that's sick, not me. Huh? Isn't that right? Amen. Because if you're not meditating on any scripture, you can't give me any scriptures, then what's your faith established upon? Right? How do you know if the word's in you, it'll come back out of you? If I say, give me two or three scriptures right now on healing, you can do that. That's if you know the, the word's abiding in you. If you can't do that, it's not abiding in you. 
I'm trying to be nice. Amen. I'm trying to help you. Right? I mean, if we truly desire something, right? When I desired my wife, I went after her. I wrote letters. I did everything. I pursued her, right? I desired her. Jesus said, what things were you desire when you pray? <laughs> do you desire it? You'll go after it, right? You'll do whatever is necessary to obtain it, to achieve it. Hallelujah. So my son, attend to my words, put them first. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. My sayings. Not what's on the news. Oh, not what's on the news, because what's on the news is going to make you discouraged. Take all the faith out of you. Amen. Now it's okay to stay abreast of what's going on. I'm talking about, you know, feeding on things that just agitate you after a while. And I have to be careful because I get agitated quickly. <laughs> Doesn't take long to get me agitated to listen what's going on something. You have to just eliminate some of that. He said, let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine eyes. What are you watching? What are you looking at? Right? And then keep them in your heart. For they, my words, are life, life unto those who find them, and health, healing to all their flesh. God's medicine. You know, I don't know any medicine. If you go to the doctor and he gives you a prescription for something, you take one time and that's it. Usually it says you take this two times, three times a day for 10 days, 15 days. Isn't that right? God's Word is medicine. We need to take it every day. Meditate in it every day. Every single day. Hallelujah. So, before we, before we confess or pray, we need to establish the fact that we are in faith. Now, one last thing here in Mark eleven twenty four. 24. Therefore I say unto you, what things you... Soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now, this is something that was revelation to me. God's part is to make it come to pass. Not my part, right? For example, if I need healing or I need finances or I need anything that is promised to me in the Bible, it's God's part to make that happen. It's my part to do what? To believe, I receive. That's all, that's all my part is, and your part. Simply believe that you receive when you pray. It's not my part to make it happen. It's not my part to make it come to pass. And I think sometimes we think it's my part to pray, confess, and then to make it happen. If I just, mm, mm, hard enough, I'll make it come to pass. No, that's not my part. That's not your part. My part is to believe and then rest in that. And then just thank God and praise God and get caught up in praising and worshiping God that I don't even think about it and it comes to pass. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So our part is to believe that we receive when? When we pray. When we pray. And what do we got to believe? That we receive it. In other words, we have to believe we got it before we get it. And that's the most difficult thing to do because we've been trained not to believe anything until we can see it or feel it. And so the most difficult thing to do is to train ourselves, and we can train ourselves spiritually to believe we receive 
before we see anything or feel anything. Hallelujah. And those spiritual realities will come in, un, into being. Amen. So your part is to not become separated from your confession. Your part is to hold fast to your confession under all circumstances. Your part is to become so caught up in worshiping and thanking God for the answer that you are not distracted by the circumstances. God's part is to make it come to pass. One last scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 13. I trust you're seeing some things tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 13. Thank God for His Word. His Word, God's Word, always brings encouragement. When God comes into your life and speaks to you, He always attempts to raise you up to a higher level, never to condemn you, never to cr criticize you, but to raise you up to a higher level because He knows that's in you. Amen. He knows. He's put His faith in you, and He knows that if you exercise that, you can rise up to a higher level spiritually and receive more and do more. Hallelujah. So here, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 13, I love this, and since, Paul said, and since we, we, that's everyone he's writing to, have the same spirit of faith, we, that's all of us, that's you, we have the same spirit of faith. You have the same spirit of faith that Paul has, that Jesus has. It's been imparted to you by the Holy Spirit. We have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believed, and therefore I spoke. We also believe, and we, therefore we speak. Hallelujah. That is the God kind of faith in operation. We believe and we speak. We believe and we speak. But yeah, Brother Crowell, I mean, have you seen what's going on lately? Yeah, we believe and we speak. Have you seen gas prices? We believe and we speak. Have you seen COVID-19? We believe and we speak. I tell you what, there's one world government coming. We believe and we speak. Yeah, all these things are going to happen. We know what's happening. But that doesn't change God. That doesn't change the Word of God. That doesn't change my faith. That doesn't change me receiving from God. If it does, we have a problem. I'm sure God did not turn to Jesus and say, I didn't see COVID-19 coming. <laughs> did you? That caught me totally by surprise. It didn't catch him by surprise. That's right. And everything that we need is already in the Word. It's been supplied. To overcome that, to overcome anything. And I understand that it's a real sickness. It's a real disease. And, and it has affected a lot of people in a lot of different ways. And some people have gone home early. I understand that. And we don't condemn anyone. We don't condemn anyone for anything. But you understand that God's already made provision in His Word for everything. Whether it be COVID-19, 2021, 20, 22, 23. He's already made provision for all of it. He's made provision for inflation. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, God Himself won't be able to fill up my tank. 
I remember one time Brother Hagin was in a meeting, and he said the Lord sent him. And he said, uh, you know, uh, he said, uh, the pastor said, well, now, Brother Hagin, you know, we can't give you much. We had a tomato crop failure. We had a cotton crop failure. And he said, you know, he kept bringing that up every service. We had a tomato crop failure and a, and a cotton crop failure, and, you know, nothing's working anymore. And he said, well, you know, he said, by the way, what do you need? And, and, the, and Brother Hagin told him how much money. Oh, dear Lord, Jesus himself wouldn't be able to get that offering. <laughs> but he said by the end of the meeting, they were able to raise enough money for that church to install, I think, a heating system and an air conditioning system in that church. And several other things happened because he got them off of the natural and looking onto what God's Word says. While we look not at the things which are seen. But the things what? Which are not seen because the things that are seen are temporal, temporary, subject to change. But the things that are not seen are eternal. They're fixed. So when things change in the world, guess what? God's Word doesn't change. What God says about healing, what God says about deliverance, what God says about provision, what God says about who you are in Christ doesn't change. It doesn't change. And if you agree with God... And say the same things God says regardless of what we see. Guess what? Then God can make provision. And you'll inherit the promises. You'll possess the promised land. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. You will possess them. Hallelujah. You know Psalm 23 is for us right now. It's not a funeral psalm. I know we read it many times for funerals because it's a lovely psalm. But it's the present day ministry of Jesus. The Lord is my shepherd. I'm full of want. No, I do not want. I do not lack because He's my shepherd. Amen? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that's this natural world, and death is a shadow, and the law of sin and death is working in the world, it's a shadow to us because we're in the light. We're in the light. We're children of the light. I walk through it. I'll fear no evil. Because your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. That's not heaven. No enemies in heaven, right? That's here. I wonder what's on the table. Healing's on the table. Provision's on the table. Authority's on the table. Blessing's on the table. He said, I prepared it for you in the presence of your enemies. He said, your cup, what? Runs over. He didn't say if you looked in the bottom, got a long enough straw, maybe you could suck a little bit out of the back, bottom of it. No, it runs over. That means you have enough for you and everyone else around you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days, all the days of my life. That's where we're living. Right now, that's the present day ministry of Jesus. And we can have faith in that. We can believe that and agree with that and experience the reality of that in our life. Let's stand up. Hallelujah. God is so good. His Word is so good to us. It is nourishment to our spirit. It is life to our spirit. It is strength to our spirit. Hallelujah. Thank God for His Word. Heaven and earth shall pass away. Jesus said, but my words, God's words, will never, ever pass away. Amen? We having the same spirit of faith. Hallelujah. We believe and we speak. 
What are we believing? What God says. Amen? What He says about you. What He says He's going to do in your life, in your family. That's what we believe. And we say that. Hallelujah. That allows the Holy Spirit to work and manifest Himself. Amen? Let's just lift our hands up and thank Him for His Word. Oh, Father, You're so grateful. We're so grateful for all that You have done and what You are doing and what You will do. The entrance of Your words give us light, illumination. They help us to see and know what to do. They help us to receive from You. The entrance of Your words into our heart gives us revelation knowledge. Hallelujah. Oh, Father, You're so good to us. We worship You tonight. We praise You tonight. We glorify and magnify and lift up the name of Jesus. Oh, Father, we thank You that Jesus is our shepherd. He's our shepherd. Regardless of what we've experienced in life, whatever frustrations or disappointments we've experienced, every day is a new day with the Lord. Every day His mercies are new. Hallelujah. Every day His strength is available. Every day His provision is available. He is Jehovah Jireh. He looks down the road and He sees the need before it's even necessary and provides. Oh, Father, we thank You. You're such a good Heavenly Father. You are Jesus, the High Priest of our confession. The High Priest of our confession. You make it come to pass. Glory to Thy holy name. Glory to Thy holy name. Glory to Thy holy name. You know, uh, P.C. Nelson, who was a Greek scholar said this about John chapter 14 where Jesus said whatever you ask in my name I'll do it that the Father may be glorified in the Son he said actually in the Greek language it says if I don't have it I'll make it for you if I don't have it I'll make it for you that's how much God loves you if he doesn't have it he'll make it he has it he'll make it for you amen we just have to keep our eyes focused on the right things, our ears listening to the right things, our confession saying the right things. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you. We praise you. We magnify you. We thank you, Father, that your word is working. Your word is working in our lives. It's producing healing. It's producing deliverance. It's producing freedom. In the name of the Lord Jesus. And Father, we thank you for it. We give you the praise. We give you the honor and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Pastor. Praise God. Wasn't that good tonight? Such an, uh, such an important principle about, you know, being in faith when you pray and and how to do that i mean thank you brother gary i mean for your explanation of it because you know we live in a world that is just filled with crisis filled with drama the devil is forever trying to get people to jump off a cliff before they ever think about anything you know and you know you see it in news media and everything drama is what sells okay so they're going to tell you about 
you know, this great big crisis that we got going on, this and that and the other. And the same thing, you know, even in the Old Testament, New Testament, we see these different things, you know, in the scripture. Remember, you know, one time when uh, uh, the prophet was there in a one place down in Dothan and the king was trying to kill him and uh, his servant went up on the, on the uh, wall in the morning and looked and they were surrounded, you know, by the enemy. And so he came to the prophet and he said, Lord, how should we do? How should we do? I mean, he was in an uproar, you know, and uh, and the prophet just said, you know, there's more that be with us than, than be with them. And of course, this this guy, you know, I mean, he's serving. He's looking around going, I don't know what you're looking at, but what I see is not good. And the prophet said, Lord, open up his eyes so they can see. There were chariots of fire and all kinds of warriors everywhere. Hallelujah. And you know, you think about Jesus. I mean, uh, people brought all kinds of crisis to him all the time. I mean, they were forever bringing him. You, you got to do something. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to do another. You know, and, and the thing about him is that he never was anxious about anything. Thank God he actually believed the Bible and did it. Amen. You know, they wanted to stone that one woman because she was taken in adultery. And, you know, he never said a word. And I think sometimes, you know, when it comes to our personal lives, the same thing's true. That's why what Brother Gary's talking about is, is that, you know, before we jump, let's just take some time and ask ourselves, you know, what is it that the Bible really says here? Before we act, before we say, before we, you know, what respond or react, maybe is a better way of putting it, let's respond to it from a biblical standpoint. Amen? And just let the Word of God you know, get down on the inside of us, saturate us. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide what in, in you, you can ask what you will and it shall be done uh, of my Father which is in heaven for you. Well, I believe that, don't you? I mean, if, if, if uh, John chapter 15, verse 7 isn't true, we ought to rip it out of the Bible. You know, we were sitting up one time, we went to uh, up to uh, the Mexican place and uh, we're going to have lunch together and and uh, everybody around the table there, you know, they take your drinks first and so this and that and the other. And uh, my son Brian was sitting across the table and he says, I'll have a, a, a cherry Coke. Well, they didn't have cherry Coke, you know, uh, on, on the menu. They just had Coke. Well, what they did was, and, uh, and so they brought this thing out. And I think more than the cherry flavor, I, I liked the, the maraschino cherry that they had put on the top. I looked at that, I thought, I want one of them, you know. And so I just asked the gal, I said, can you do that for me? She said, oh, sure. And so what do they do? They take it back in the, you know, the kitchen there or wherever, you know, and they take some grenadine and start pouring it in there. You know, well, you know, uh, I suppose there's some type of magical mixture to that. But, uh, you know, if you got it and it was a little bit weak, you might say, well, no, that's not, that's not quite enough. I'd like, to, I'd like to have a little bit more in there. Put some more in there, you know. In other words, uh, increase the concentration of whatever ingredient it is. Well, you know, the same thing's true with our lives and our hearts, you guys. you got to get full of the Word. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you what? Huh? Richly. Yeah. Praise God. Let it, you know, get full of it till it's coming out of your ears. Glory to God. God will bless you, praise God. And then, like I said, when we, when we do what we do, we'll be responding because of what's in us instead of something out here, you know, that's driving us, 
toward whatever it is that's going on. Hallelujah. Wasn't that good? Praise God, Brother Gary. Thank you so much. And you know, here's the thing. Yeah, amen. Praise God. You know, just let this stuff saturate your heart. You can go back online. You can watch the, uh, uh, the podcast. You can, you know, hear it again, hear it again, hear it again, hear it again. And, and then that way it can, it can begin to dwell in you richly. And then we have three more nights. And uh, Pastor Monty, I, I tell you, uh, I admire him so much uh, for, for what he's done to really work to grow in being a communicator. And so you're going to get some incredibly rich uh, ministry of the Word of God tomorrow when he is here and then, of course, the next night. So we invite you to come be a part of that. Praise God. You'll be blessed. Glory to God. Let's just give God, you know, first place. Let's put him first. And, uh, you know, and I believe that when we do that, we'll be blessed. Amen. All right. So let's everybody stand. Praise God.